Hey, my interview today was with Senior VP at Colliers International, Cody Payne. Uh, him and his team focus on industrial and office investment properties for real estate investors. Um, it was a good good interview. Uh, we talked about ways that uh, his clients mitigate risk when buying and selling those properties. We talked about the, the, the DFW market. Um, we went into some definitions and terms for, for, for newer investors and then uh, some strategies um, for buying and selling for more experienced investors. Uh, I learned a lot. I hope you do as well. And for those who don't know, this is for informational, educational purposes, not meant to be uh, investment advice uh, from either of us. Y'all enjoy your day. So we are live with another episode of the Ask Philip Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Washington Jr. And today I have a special guest, Mr. Cody Payne. Absolutely. I appreciate you uh, <laughs> letting me come out here and yeah, hang out you. in Fort Worth. Thank and we're, you. we're overlooking like Montgomery Plaza. Yeah. And this is like the fancy part of Fort Worth, right? I drove in, I, I, I drove in probably past a couple of our hedge funds or private equity groups, right? That, yeah, and you know, we're West 7th and all that continues to grow, all those... Uh, you know, larger players out there, hedge funds, a lot of, you know, really good, you know, older stockbroker people are still working out there too. People underestimate like Fort Worth and the money center it has. Oh, unquestionably, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's, just, it's money, I mean, I don't know if it's more than Dallas, but it's definitely like, I think it's, I think it's super more competitive with Dallas than what people think. If, and I wouldn't be shocked if somebody said, yeah, there's more money in Fort Worth than Dallas. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if, yeah, well, one thing I can tell you is on the commercial side, it's harder to get in out here. It's more tight yeah. And there's a lot of older money out here that still owns out here. Uh, like everybody knows the Bass family, right? Out mm -hmm. here. I mean, they still own a tremendous amount of real estate. Uh, but, you know, just simply trying to get into the office industrial market, I mean, there's, you know, several key groups that just own a lot and don't sell. They just, a lot of them just won't sell. They, some of them are in long term trusts or, you know, things of that nature. And uh, yeah, no, a lot of people don't realize that Dallas. It's, yeah. Anybody's looking to buy or sell or, or whatever they can do <laughs> to make a buck out here, they're very much mm -hmm. older style. Yeah, uh, you got, got to find out what church they went to and go yeah. to Sunday school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how how did you get into commercial real estate? Um, I got into it uh, at a very young age. I got into it thinking I wouldn't have to go to college. Um, and so I started for a local firm out in Arlington, and he said he would hire me, but as soon as he hired me, he said, okay, you have to go to college, because he wouldn't hire somebody without a college degree, but he kind of got me in. So I went to college at night, it uh, started at North Lake, and kind of went on from there, but so I actually started in the industry. Um, really? Early. Yeah. yeah and, what, and, what, so, and so what were you doing while you were... And you were working during the daytime? And oh, absolutely, yeah. So I'd, I'd go in 7 till 5.30, and then I'd drive to North Lake, and my class started at, uh, a lot of them started at 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 6, 
15. Mm -hmm. uh, I was trying to think of when they did. And a lot of times they ended at 9, 9, 30, or 10. So, so, so let me ask this question, because I think I've never talked about this, but didn't, didn't you feel like college was, it was a better experience since you were working and doing what you wanted to do? Or did you still feel like it was a waste of time? Well, you know, some of these guys here were in uh, fraternities, and they've got great stories. Well, okay. So I have zero. So let's, so let's take out the stories. <laughs> I mean, like, as far as, like, enjoying class more, like the nerds. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I did not have the college experience, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So that was the only difference. That was, and that was a good part of the college. Yeah. yeah. But but I, I asked that because um, I was like you. I told my dad, I, I don't want to go to college. I want to run my own business. Yeah. And they work for somebody. What are they going to teach me? You know, so they're not, so they're not, so he said, go to college, and I was like, cool, I didn't have, you know, uh, and so, and so, and so I went, but it wasn't until I discovered finance and, and invest money for people, and, yeah. and then I started doing internships where I was like, oh, college is actually, like, interesting now, and then I went to do Did that help bring your passion out? Oh, absolutely, yeah. you know, ab and, and it's funny because I knew, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah. and I, like, made a list of, like, 10 career choices, and then I... You know, commercial real estate was on one, so I went to a CCIM intro course. Yeah. Another bunch of commercial realtors. I actually, you heard of, you heard of the Weitzman Group? I have. So I applied for an in internship with them in San Antonio, and so like, uh, you know, in, I'm in my suit. I go in there. <clears throat> I get like I have like one interview with somebody, and I come back the next week and I have another interview with the vice president. Yeah. And the vice president comes out and says, "I'm gonna have the president, uh, San Antonio office, come in and interview." And I'm thinking, and if they take their internship. You know, uh, seriously, seriously, right? And so we go through it. And he said, "Yeah, you know, we definitely want to give you, give you the, the job of, you know, whatever broker, or whatever." And I said, "Wait a minute, I'm applying for the internship." And he's like, he called and says, "Uh, huh? No, uh, yeah, no, never mind." Uh, <laughs> do you do you get the internship? I didn't even get the internship. Oh. They, they were going to give me a broker position, but that's the internship. Should have taken it, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, you know. What, what year? You know, when was that? This was like. Oh five. Yeah. Yeah, oh five. It was before mm. my senior year. Yeah, you know, I think they're mostly on the retail side. I don't know too much about them. They're mm. more specialty, but, they were, but I didn't know anything like that. I just knew I just knew. Hey, I saw the signs everywhere and you know, whatever. But, but let's go back. So so finished college, uh, and then when did you decide to settle in? Because you, you basically specialize on industrial and office. Correct. And when did you decide you know? Uh, um well, when I started with uh, David Dunn, he basically said, you know, hey, I've got the industrial side covered. We got no way to do an office. You do office. And so I started doing office. I was uh, starting on the leasing side, um, kind of leasing, managing, things of that nature, and then started dipping into the industrial more and, um, you know, started developing a, a team over there to, you know, lease all across the FW on the office industrial sector. And, we sold a few things off here and there, but not a lot for you know the first few years, and then it just started you know slowly transitioning into more and more. But uh, no, I leased for probably ten years. Got it. Yeah. Oh, cool. And so and so um, and for those who don't know, um, in in the commercial real estate space, you have what multifamily, you have industrial, you have office. Yeah, you got a lot of good product types. You got uh, office, industrial, uh, hospitality, hotels, um, multifamily. Uh, you know, we've got a couple guys here that do uh, RV and self-storage mm -hmm. uh, as well. Uh, and then there's like senior living and things of that nature. But um, 
our main specialties on the office industrial side. And, and, and so, and so, how how is that marketing in DFW? Is it hot, cold? Uh, no, it's 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 very good. I mean, you know, obviously, it's um, also area specific. Okay. You know, um, uh, if we had our mother map board over here, I'd kind of show you, you know certain areas where certain product types trend a little hotter than others. Uh, but overall, it's very good. It's been very good for past five years mm -hmm. for us, absolutely. And, and, and what you say, like, in, is it, are there more buyers, more sellers? Uh, who, who has the advantage in this market? There's more buyers than sellers right now. Okay. Um, and it's been that way for quite a while. Um, you know, there's a lot of sellers, um, and there are stuff out there that's listed. You know, I think a lot of them are still shooting for the stars that, <laughs> you know, maybe they missed that 2017 mm -hmm. stars boat. Mm -hmm. uh, but prices is still very, very good. Um, but there's definitely a lot of buyers that are trying to do something. Um, it's just matching them up correctly. Right, right. And, 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 so, and so what's the, you know, what's the, the people who were um, excelling in the market, like what, what, are, what are they doing? And you can give them a buyer perspective and a yeah. seller perspective. Um, so the people that own that are most successful, and you'd have to also break that down by kind of product type. Okay. Um, so like the people that own office buildings, um, the ones that are a lot more hands-on, you know, there are several firms out here that are, that are very, very hands-on, right? They've got their own management staff, they manage the buildings themselves. They sometimes will outsource the leasing because there are a lot of good uh, third-party leasing companies. And, you know, sometimes if you're trying to pin, you know, a little bit of larger tenants, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes the larger firms are better access to that. Uh, but a lot of the firms that manage the product themselves and not rely on third-party management, um, not only do they, you know, a lot of times not eliminate that management fee, it's a lot of times cheaper, it just allows them to know exactly what's going on and it's, you know, uh, it's not being looked at as, you know, just, you know, essentially a money graph of what's being here, what's going out, what's coming in. It's you know more hands on you know these guys are cutting expenses you know via you know janitorial control, uh, landscaping, you know getting on the taxes, bidding out insurance, things of that nature, and so those guys can generally run buildings a lot cheaper and a lot more efficiently. Mm -hmm. and, and, and also, I should clarify from from like a from like a deal standpoint for the owner, right? Yeah. So so the the, owner, the people who are looking to purchase or sell. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's a lot of people, it's like we talked before, it's a lot of people with a lot of money. Absolutely. Right? And I would say we're probably in a world where there's a lot of like dumb money, you know? Yeah. And, and I call it dumb money, like they're new to the game and they're going to have to take some lessons uh, and learn some stuff. Yeah. And so, and so um, what I'm trying to figure out is the people who are experienced deal doers, on the buy side and yep. sell side, like what are they? What are they doing well? To, to oh, so like, so if you're coming in to buy a building, yeah, how are you doing well to make sure you succeed? Yeah, is you know, whenever you're looking at an operating office or industrial building, you look at the operational costs, right? And you don't always have to look at the income. You know, um, obviously that's very key, but you can also you know dictate, hey, where's the market? Where's the rental rates at? That will help you dictate the income and future growth. On the expenses, what a lot of these experienced guys will come in is they'll look at the expenses and go, okay, these line items are way too high. And day one, we can cut those down to here. Mm -hmm. And that's instant net operating income increase right there. Mm -hmm. And so that's what a lot of the experienced operators come in and do is, is they really hone in on the expenses, really more than anything, because on office buildings, office is some of the most expensive product to run. Mm -hmm. 
it's costing you easy anywhere from six to nine dollars per square foot to to operate it so it's very expensive so knowing what you can come in and cut down to you know one project we sold recently you know they were operating at like 850 a foot and i know that landlord's already chopped that thing down like 625 and so instantly you know gain two and a quarter yeah. per square foot yeah which nice. is huge over that is know, huge. 12 months yeah and and, and um and so then what about what about sellers? So I would imagine there are people who were relatively proud of their property. You know, I think uh, a lot of I think everybody is, you yeah. know, to some standpoint. And, and you, you should know, be yeah. and you should be, but but how do you balance between, you know, being too prideful and missing that? I mean at the end of the day, you know, what I tell people is, you know, if they're if they're you know, really pride, prideful owner, you know, which they should be, and, mm -hmm. you know, the building should reflect a prideful owner, is, you know, at the end of the day, what you buy it for? You know, it, it's an investment. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, but, you know, it's also something that some of these people can pass on to, you mm -hmm. know, the next generation of the kids, and so it really depends on what their uh, future plans are for it, but if it was simply bought to make money, that's the strategy that, it yeah. needs to be looked at is hey how do we you know form a plan to do that because also lending on the commercial side is very much different so you need to structure your whole time mm -hmm. with your loan so a lot of times and one of my questions yeah. so how, how you know who who's who's giving the money in the market are, are banks still you know okay to do it or absolutely know? absolutely um finance is actually very very easy still right now um you know the biggest thing i don't know if you know this on the commercial side a lot of these loans, you know, I know on you know residential and some other stuff, you know, they're getting 25 years over 25 years, or 30 over 30. In commercial, they're really only getting a five or a seven a lot of times. Hmm. But that's got a 25 year, 20, 25, 30 year amortization schedule. Mm -hmm. So their notes actually doing five years a lot of times, five to seven. Um, you know, there's certain circumstances that you can get uh, longer or shorter in your bridge loans, but. That's why I say, you know, if you're buying it for an investment and you've got a five-year note, mm -hmm. you know, that needs to be yeah. in the back of your mind on your, whether you're holding it or not, because, you know, you're going to have to refi that. That's going to cost you money to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't know where the market's going to be. You know, I was selling stuff in 2005 and they were getting great interest rates and those people were getting five-year notes. When they had to go refi that in 2010... There wasn't a lot of fun doing that, you know. There were a lot higher interest rates. Finding a bank that would even do it a lot of times, and yeah. so you got to have your projection. And, set. And, and so, and so, this is something I don't, I don't know um, either, because right, and you know, industrial. I, I feel like, and I'm talking from a place of ignorance. I feel like it's in a transition process, but but then you also have Texas um, being very competitive, like in, in the U.S. Oh, yeah. uh, for businesses to move so so do, do you see a lot of new um, industrial office like like just outside of normal business in Texas is there a lot of new people coming in to help the market oh absolutely I mean you know there's um, a lot of companies that you know continue to uh, expand out here um, I know somebody that's coming down uh, because State Farm is you know expanded out here quite a bit and they're coming down uh, from another state as well um, on the industrial side, I mean, there's, you know, the DFW is a, a huge hub for that. And, you know, that sector continues to grow. Um, 
and you know there's a lot of there's even still a lot of new developers that are coming out here and building new industrial and they're doing spec buildings which means they're building it before they even have a tenant <laughs> and you see that a lot oh, wow. and it's because of their belief in the future and the market and um you know that, that so our live stream cut off for a second but we picked it right back up here we go again I, you know, I, this, I have a I have a friend of mine who is um, into social media and yeah. all that, and and they were going to focus on helping people build brands. Yeah. And I was like, listen, listen, the money is not in that if I were you, because she's good at it. Yeah. And I was like, if I were you, because I, I literally get because I do this, people like, hey, can you do this for my business? Blah blah blah. And I don't have time. I, I manage money for people. Like, yeah. I, like I do this for me because it's my biz, you know, business development, but I was like, uh, I can't do that. I, I said, I said, listen, you got a lot of businesses that got money, and people with money, throw, they throw money at problems. So yes. you, so if you tell them, I'll basically build your own media company, right? So, you know, because the way it plays out is, you know, for, for my business, you, you know, um, advertising magazines or CNBC or whatever yeah. to reach the audience. I was like, but imagine doing this for five years, and then you got the ten thousand people in your target niche, and you are the CNBC forum. Yeah, like your advertising costs go down. Because oh yeah, you, because you own the media. And I was like, businesses have not even started that yet. You know, people who are building podcasts are building it for advertising for the masses. I'm like, for businesses to take money from the advertiser's pocket and put it back in the business pocket, that industry hasn't even started yet. Like it hasn't. Like nobody's interesting. Nobody's and thinking yeah. in the terms. I'm like, it costs nothing for distribution. Like. Like ten years ago, for you to run uh, the business you're running now, yeah, probably cost a whole lot more. Yeah, same here. For me, the way I'm going to build this thing out, half my team is going to be media. You know, which before it used to be cold callers. Yeah, or, you know, well, that's what we still do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And by the way, uh, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it 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 still works. But the point is that every year, I like I. I was talking to a, a, a CPA, and now this this will be good because this is on. But I was talking to a CPA, and she was doing this, and she said, "Well, Philip, but, but does it really work?" I said, "I said it's like cold calling. You know, when, when I came up cold calling, I built my first four hundred clients. You know, when I was, and I believe them all, but I built those clients off cold calling. Yeah. I said, and cold calling is a faith game, right? Because you don't get, you know, you just do it, right? And random, you'll get ten one month, and then you'll get zero for two. You know, it's yeah." Just, it, that's just the game. I said, this is the same thing. I said, I said well, let me show you my numbers. I was like, here's your one, how many clients I got. And then last year, um, two-thirds of my clients came from this and came to me. Well, and that's that also a testament of the changing times. Changing times, man. It's, it's, you know? So uh, that's, uh, that's a side note. But I hate to say it. I made, uh, I, I, you know, somebody a long time ago I knew was uh, creating a podcast, and I was like, man, I think that's a fad. <laughs> and so I don't think that, uh, you know, yeah. I don't think that was a correct statement for me. But no, that's, that's, uh, that's cool. We're, we're we're here now. Let's, let's get <laughs> let's get back to it. So we're talking about. So we're talking about. Um, we talked about debt a little bit. Yeah. And you said banks were lending, but what are some you know. What are some other alternative lending um, sources? Because there's, I'm part of ACG, like this private equity. Okay, yeah. Dallas, it's, and it's so, I'm like, man, it's, you can get money from everybody nowadays. Like, absolutely. Money uh, you know, getting money is not so much uh, the problem. I mean, 
you know, we're selling a deal right now where a lot of banks wouldn't look at it because of the vacancy mm -hmm. on it. It's not cash flowing. It currently, as the building sits right now, it's negative $125,000 a year to operate. So it's hard to get a loan on that. So what the guy ended up doing was he went and got uh, a bridge loan mm -hmm. essentially put on it, uh, which I consider very similar to a hard money loan. Okay. Um, you know, it, it's not a very long term, interest rate's a little higher. Uh, but you know he's banking on you know he's going to buy this project. He's going to lease it up because it's vacant, and then he'll start cash flowing it, and then he'll go get a you know regular you know either CMBS or, or you know recourse loan mm -hmm. at that point that has a lower interest rate with a longer term on it. But um, no, there's plenty of sources. You know we've even done syndications here um, where we'll you know pull together certain investors' money and, and you know buy a project. Uh, that's something that we're looking at expanding on, but you no, know, as of right now, it, mm -hmm. you're not. If you're looking to buy something, and you know, you've got all the check boxes checked, it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, and so, here's another part that I'm glad we're talking about that I don't fully understand. So, you th you think about WeWork, and um, you know, they they for me were not a tech company. They just they participated in a trend where the big companies were no longer willing to sign big leases. They kind of filled in the gap for a lot of them and picked up some smaller people, yeah. as, as I understand it. And uh, But I was like, man, to me, you know, I was watching them IPO and I was like, people are actually going to invest in it? I was like, I, I'm not super smart, but if my job is to go buy buildings, sign loan, sign leases and lose money, yeah, like I can do that and make a bit. So, so, so what I'm saying is, obviously there's something in the market for you know, finding leasing spaces that's pretty difficult. But what 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 are you seeing the successful people doing? To well, and, you know, as far as the you know kind of we work model, I mean, you know, I'm sure that was probably being tailored to a lot of people that you know know about that model and leasing them to them. Just kind of like I'm sure when you know Facebook did the same, I'm, I'm sure it was probably a lot of millennials investing in it. Um, you know, uh, I joked with my father about. The Facebook thing, he had no idea what Facebook was. Yeah. You know, because he plays in the stock market, and I said, You're gonna, you know, buy some Facebook stock, and he had no clue what it was. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, on the, you know, uh, on, the, on the leasing side, I mean, you know, the, the, we work the executive, uh, you know, we call that flexible workspace or mm -hmm. executive workspace. That's a model that continues to trend and expand. And there's, I don't know if you know this, there's, an insane amount of companies out there that are doing just that. like we work. And am I right? It, it works better if you actually own the building. I'm like, if you own the building and you bought it right, it may make sense. Yes, so. but do they? Not a lot of them have the capital to do that. Mm -hmm. A, but you know, B, if they're looking to expand, we're actually working with several flexible workspace companies right now uh, to sell their building. So what they're actually doing is they own the building. They occupy the whole thing. They're actually going to sign a lease, a long-term lease, and sell that building as an investment and recapture that money. And the only reason they're doing that is because they want to expand mm -hmm. and they don't have the money to continue to buy and build locations. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's how you know we work. A lot of these guys, you know, a lot of uh, even smaller guys that I know out here in the DFW area, they can sign a lease, get the space finished out, start operations, mm -hmm. and it's. So much easier than buying a building. Hmm. So much easier. Yeah. Um, and that's that's why they do that. Right. That's why a lot of them do it. 
yeah, yeah. I guess the investors give you money to do it. Yeah, so like if they were to lease here in this office building, you know, they'd probably take an entire floor, they'd come in and, you know, probably sign a 10 year lease and the landlord would give them, you know, a bunch of TI dollars to renovate the whole floor because, you know, all their stuff looks bright. And, mm -hmm. uh, what's the word they use? Active. <laughs> they love that word. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, come in, refresh it up and, you know, make it look good and start leasing out spaces. And, um, you know, a lot of them have been tremendously successful on it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, what I've heard from all those operators, though, is uh, the key is, you know, common area, shrinking that down to as low as possible, and then also uh, not as high a finish out because that gets a lot of times amortized through the lease and that makes your rental payment, you know, quite a bit. And not giving out so much free alcohol. This class doesn't give out. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, the best part about it, but yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, I'm like, oh, free alcohol? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it's not okay. I know, right, yeah. So, um, office, so you do medical office? Too? Absolutely, yeah. So is, is that a relative, that's something that's relatively safe, right? The healthcare is like, it, it hasn't expanded enough, you know, because Texas hasn't even taken the Medicaid expansion money. Uh, and they're going to take it because if they don't, and this is not a political statement, if they don't, literally a bunch of common centers are going to shut down. And you got Republican Texas Congress folks now saying, just do the dang thing, quit being yeah. you know, crazy. And so I'm like, man, once they do that, I was at a private equity event, they were like, it's going to add $300 billion to the economy over the next 10 years. In, in Texas. Absolutely. Um, we've got actually a really good medical division here, um, and we sell quite a bit of it. But I will tell you, there are unquestionably what I believe high risk medical investments. Really? Okay, yeah, so absolutely. So, yeah, so you've got really good ones that, you know, are long term leased by, uh, you know, your really good companies, you know, Texas Health Resources, Baylor, things of that nature. Um, you know, we sell quite a few uh, dialysis centers here as well with DeVita and Fresenius and uh, things of that nature. Those I consider somewhat safer mm -hmm. than, uh, you know, some of these other ones. Their cap rates or their rates of return will be lower mm -hmm. um, because your risk a lot of times is lower. But, you know, I will tell you, you know, especially with the market crash last time, you know, there were several medical uh, companies and providers that, you know, kind of dried up because of certain you know, restrictions and policies that came into effect as well with, you know, any new administration. A lot of times, every it seems like every administration, one of the main key talking points is medical, healthcare providers, healthcare for all. And, you know, every time a new guy comes in, it shakes something up in the, you know, commercial real estate industry. And so, do you remember, um, and you've probably seen them, those like little freestanding emergency rooms? Mm, that it popped oh. up everywhere. We call those dock in the boxes. I, I got some stories, but yes. I Do you know how many of those have been sold? You know, they're, they, a, a lot of times, load of them. And, and they vacated. Because in 2015, I had to convince four people I knew, what do you know about these? I know that I know that this guy said that I can double my money every year. I said, listen, listen, <laughs> listen. If, if you could, they're not going to be asking you for your hundred grand. That's right. You know what I mean? Like, That's right. You're what, you're what I call a sucker. Somebody's dumping on you. Yes. And, that, and they played out. They lost all their money. A lot of them did. I can name several. You know, there's several <laughs> of them, you know, out uh, one a few miles from where I live that um, they built the building for that tenant. That tenant signed a 15-year lease. They were in there for about six months and left. 
that building sold to an investor before they left, right? And so that investor had a single tenant building. It was probably making twelve, thirteen thousand dollars a month in rent. Um, and that person had a note, and then that tenant left. And you know that was a riskier tenant because it was not as well known of a operator. It was more of a local operator. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't remember how the financials looked on it. I never looked at it, but. Uh, you know, that's a medical deal that yeah, we consider yeah. a little more risky. Yeah, risky. And, and their price per square foot, here's the thing, is they're so high on the sales side. And they were letting like any, like if, as long as you had an MD or a director on the deal. Oh yeah. I, 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 mean, was, I was like, wait a minute, how are you getting, who's giving you money? I, I know you, you don't know anything about these. I mean, they probably wouldn't give me money. I, I've got a doctrine <laughs> in real estate, you know, but uh, yeah, no, they're, they're centers that they came up fast I felt the trend dropped just as fast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's plenty of those that didn't do well. And, and, and so what we'll do, I'm, I know we, we're running short on time. What, what I'm going to do is, I'm only going to ask two of my five questions, but I'm going to ask yeah. one more detailed question that I wanted to ask, and, and we'll get on out of here. But um, so, so since we're on risk, um, what would you consider? Well, let me ask first, first question before that. If, I'm, if somebody's thinking about investing in industrial office space. How yeah. much money do they need and how do they get started? Well, um, typically, I mean, it's easy how you get started. You need to contact somebody that's in the know on the product, not just your residential agent or just, you know, somebody that just does a generalist. You really need to find a specialist. And, you know, uh, specialists in office industrial are actually really hard to come by. Um, all the guys that work for me have uh, a lot more experience than just investment sales. Um, you know, you got Ross and Michael, and you know we've all leased office and industrial. We've managed it. We know how the operations actually work, instead of people that just sell it or will just you know take you to one. And so that's the key is finding the right person. Um, but secondly, I mean, how much money is involved? I mean, it depends on how big you're buying. You know, everything mm -hmm. that we sell is anywhere from you know one to thirty million dollars. So okay, so a lot of those you got to come up with twenty to thirty percent down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is a lot less than what I you know what I would have thought to get involved you know, oh I mean you know there's buildings that you know trade out here for you know 200 plus million but within what we do we're private yeah. sector yeah and so we don't deal in the institutions very got often. It. got it okay and so what would you consider higher risk versus low risk if you had to do you know, general classification yeah so you know higher risk is you know going to be maybe an office building uh, that has a tenant taking one of you know 30 percent and so if that tenant leaves, you're, you know, you have a 30% loss as an income. Um, and so I would always say stray away from buildings where one person takes more than 30%. Mm -hmm. You know, unless you're buying a single tenant at least deal and it's like a really good tenant, like we were talking like a Baylor or something of that nature mm -hmm. that has a long-term lease. But if you're buying a multi-tenant, stick to the 30% and under rule is what I would recommend. That's some good advice. All right, fun, fun questions. Uh, what are some books and podcasts that you uh, like to read or listen to? Um, do you know uh, Do you know Grant Cardone? I do. The 10, 10x 10x the guy. 10x guy. <laughs> um, have you Have you read his 10x book? I did. Yeah, I read his book before I like. I don't love him on camera, but his book was dope. I tell you, um, and I actually talked to one of the other guys about this the other day. I listened to it in the car. I had the Audible on it. Mm -hmm. um, it seemed like 
the whole message was if you want to do 10 times better just do 10 times more yeah. and so it's you know how much prospecting did you do this week all right well times that by 10. how much did you work this week times that by 10. it's like okay well i know that you know i mean yeah, yeah you can only but uh i like him he's got uh a lot of good energy um i like his videos they're they're yeah. fun and and whatnot but uh he's a guy that i'm uh, a big yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I like the book. You know, it was interesting. I, I, I got the same thing from his book. I got from four. I work with people like, for real. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. It's basic. It's basically, you know, it's because I don't. I never took Tim Ferriss as saying, uh, work four hours a week. Yeah. Right. It was more, be smart about what you do and think bigger. Yes. You know. And that's why I listen to, I don't know if you know Joel Austin out of Houston mm -hmm. and, and T.D. Jakes out of Dallas, I listen to a lot of their stuff as well. Mm -hmm. um, because they're big proponents on that also. Yeah, but, but that, that was, I got, I got two next. I, I didn't get the work 10 times harder. Maybe because I wasn't, I'm just, I wasn't gonna do that. I was yeah. already working super hard. Yeah. I was like, just think bigger. And yeah, and I think that was do. the overall message, but I think in one of his things, and if you would have heard him, because he actually, did the voiceover on that? Oh, okay, yeah. I, and so he would add little things uh, in there. For, yeah, and so it'd be like, you know, hey, you, you know, you only made, you know, hundred calls today. Well, I mean, you got times that by ten. <laughs> it's like, my, that's that, that sounds like him. Yeah, yeah. and so, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, that's hard. Thousand a day, I just don't know who that's, here yeah, can do that. Yeah, but that's what I. Got. I got but it, if no, you yeah, heard yeah, the yeah, album, yeah, maybe right. that was different. And when you said that, I'm like, yeah, that sounds like his. Yeah, that's why like his videos. I'm like. I don't know, man. It just don't sound realistic. He'd say, times that by 10. <laughs> but yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah, okay. It's a Grant Cardone book. What about podcast? Does he have, he was doing podcast? Yeah, he, he's, um, he's very diverse with his uh, guests. Um, and so he's, he, he does a lot. Um, you know, I do a lot. I, I listen to a lot of novels because I'm in the car mm -hmm. a lot. And so that's where I catch a lot of those. And so I catch a lot of like Joel Austin and, you know, Jake's and stuff uh, mm -hmm. in there as well. Cool, man. TD Jake actually just came with a hundred million dollar fund. You know hey, about that yet? I didn't hear about that. I, haven't re I literally like saw it this morning on my news scroll and hadn't dug into it, but it's a hundred million dollar fund specifically for um, people getting back. It's something entrepreneur, but I was like, man, I wonder. He's the man. He'll wake yeah. you up if you're tired. Right. Yeah, and you're driving in. He'll wake you up. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I like him. It, there, there are very few. My dad's a pastor. I grew up in church, so this is not a knock on church. There are very few pastors I like. Because since I'm, since I'm in it, yeah. and I see the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I understand their people, I'm like, man, so many people are doing it the wrong way. You know, they want to blame young people for not going to church. I'm like, no, they just, they're not going to put, young people are not going to put up with BS because you say, I'm going to hell if I don't. But T.D. Yeah. Jakes is somebody who I'm like, he's not having a problem packing He'll yell at you, yeah. Yeah, he'll yell at you. Yeah. And Joel's just a really, just Joel a, too, yeah, such a positive individual. He, Joel gets so many haters, I'm like, why are you hating on Joel? Yeah. Like, he's, he, he's, he's helping people. He's, he's, uh, I think he's a phenomenal individual. Um, but, yeah, I think Texas has the best pastors of yeah. all. Uh, but yeah, those are some of my main influences. Cool, 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 man. I definitely appreciate your yeah, time, Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it.